0: to the second episode of The Jack's Current. I'm your host, Broderick Green, Senior Director of Business Development with the Jack's USA Partnership. I'm here at my co-host, Tina Wirth, Vice President of Workforce Development. Tina, how's it going?
1: Pretty good. Thanks, Broderick. Um, I am really excited to talk to our guests today. We have Gary Chartrand and Mark McCombs uh, with us, and they are helping to prepare the next generation of talent in Jacksonville.
0: It's always an important topic for us in our work in economic development.
1: So uh, both have really impressive lists of accomplishments. We'll do quick introductions and then jump right into the conversation. So Gary serves as the executive chairman of Acosta Sales and Marketing, uh, was reappointed to a second term on our State Board of Education by Governor Rick Scott, and recently has led the launch of the STEM Hub, which he'll be talking a little bit with us about.
0: And Mark is the executive director of Renaissance Jacks, a nonprofit organization with the mission to develop more creative people in Jacksonville than anywhere else. He uses the FIRST Robotics program to engage with students from elementary to high school to help them understand what STEM is all about.
1: So Gary, let's start with you. Of all the four-letter words that are out there, STEM's a good one. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what it means and why this particular topic is so uh, important to you.
2: Yeah, so let's spell it out first because sometimes I get the question of, oh, you're in STEM cell research. and (laughs) No, it's not STEM cell. It's uh, STEM science, technology, engineering, math. And actually, we added a fifth letter here, which is double M for medical as well because we have such a big medical community. Indeed. But, um, you know, quickly those uh, disciplines are very important to uh, work skills for the future. Um, If you look back at the last 10 years, jobs in the what we call STEM field have grown three times faster than all other jobs. And um, interesting enough, about 50% of the jobs uh, actually only require a two-year education, not Mm -hmm. a four-year education. So, um, the future looks bright as well. It's uh, annually projected to grow at about 17% over the next 10 years, a little bit higher in Florida. So we've got to be able to make sure that our young people are getting the skills necessary in their educational curriculum to be able to play in the new world. This train has left the station.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, those two-year degrees, those middle-skilled jobs, they pay some outstanding wages, and a lot of young people don't know about them.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, you know, help us out. You know, what is FIRST Robotics and uh, you know, what's its impact that you're seeing on the next generation of talent?
3: So, if you don't already know, FIRST is actually an acronym. It stands for, for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. It's a 26-year-old nonprofit uh, dedicated to really youth development, youth culture, uh, it was founded by a man named Dean Kamen, who uh, back in the 80s realized that students might have been maybe just looking up to the wrong role models if uh, if we were really projecting out what kids look up to versus what they wind up contributing to society once they've gotten to the age where that's what they're doing. So uh, he said, we need to make sure that these students have an opportunity to look up to the scientists and engineers that are have impacted life as we know it. And he built a robotics program that, as it stands today, has a kindergarten through 12th grade progression of programs that gets kids designing, building, programming robots for competition Uh, there's about $50 million in scholarship opportunities at the top of it every year it's in over 80 countries 400,000 kids globally do it and um, you're seven times as likely to become an engineer if you go through first so it's really just a program that has the opportunity to change lives they say it's the sport for the mind and it is also Mm -hmm. a sport where everybody can go pro
1: that's terrific. You know, um, exposure is really important, and I think that was a critical component, Gary, when you went to start up this STEM hub concept. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, about that group and what you're hoping to achieve and, and how uh, Mark's first robotics fits into that?
2: Yeah, sure. So, I met Mark, and I was first of all uh, enamored with his vision. Um, I, Mark's an unbelievable asset for our community because he's got a passion for this and he wants this to happen. And I think that's, that's really, really critical. We need to make sure that we have more um, exposure for kids, right? So we don't teach coding in our curriculum in school today. In fact, I've been on the State Board of Education for six years. Just last year, we finally got the standards for computer science approved by the state of Florida. So now every school can teach computer science. There are standards available. So exposure is really important. It's a lot like you know music and art. If a child doesn't bump into music or art, they're not going to go down that path. And so if you don't bump into computer science or coding, you're also probably not going to go down that path. And so... What I was intrigued with what Mark was doing was, hey, we need to use Mark's vehicle and others uh, coding curriculums as well as a program called Math Counts that we're working on to get more exposure to children so that they can understand that this is really important and that they can get excited about it. Uh, I have a niece that's 38 years old, and she's actually a director of information technology at Fidelity in Boston, and she runs a pretty big department. And she uh, went to Worcester Polytech and has a computer science degree. And I said to her, uh, Melissa, you are anomaly. Only 2% of females actually go into computer science. Now, what actually got you excited about that? And she said, You know, it's really funny. When I was in middle school, my math teacher told me I was good at math.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't think I was, but he
2: told me I was. So I started taking more advanced math classes, and that's when my love of STEM was born. She went and got her undergrad and and also her master's degree in computer science and has a flourishing career. So if that teacher didn't say that to yeah. her?
1: Yeah. We, we've actually done a lot of research. I mean, there's a lot of bias that way. There's a lot of messaging that math is hard for girls. Um, I've run into several people who are encouraged to pursue a lower level of math in college. You know, math for liberal arts is actually yeah. a class. And so it's, it, <laughs> it's just as you talk, I'm going, yep, yeah. mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. That's, uh, it is interesting to talk about how important the exposure is, yeah. you know, at an, at an early stage. And so with more some of the things you're talking about you know, and getting students in, you know, K, you know, starting at K, right, and working your way up. I mean, how do you see that grassroots effort going forward here, and are we making any progress?
3: Uh, I'd like to say that there is a, a real success story unfolding right before our very eyes. And uh, it really started with a handful of very considerate individuals that decided that this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do for our young people is provide the opportunities. And one thing that I have realized after... Um, trying to build first over the last four years locally, is that it comes down to adults who make decisions to provide the opportunities uh, for the kids. They don't exactly get to make those decisions themselves. So as soon as the opportunity becomes available, uh, you start to get results. So uh, like I said, first it started with volunteers who decided. And uh, it really, it, it started 21 years ago when my own personal mentors on a team that I grew up on uh, started – To help a kid who reached out, and it's really a wonderful story that has to do with the family that now runs Sally Corporation, a local robotics firm. So, our main robot company in Jacksonville, uh, the nephew of the owner, started the Stanton Robotics team 21 years ago. That to this day is ongoing, has produced you know hundreds of kids, and through that, we've just seen a culture flourish um, around helping people learn the skills that it takes to be on an interdisciplinary, competitive robotics team and just go as far as they possibly can. Um, that's how the grassroots start. You get people making the decisions to to get a team going, and then a couple more teams get going. And then four years ago, we started hosting the first ever robotics tournament locally. Uh, then I had made the decision to start a nonprofit to st- start to shelter some of the activities and grow a name in the community, because for the longest time, for most of the 21 years, nobody knew about FIRST at okay. all it's we've had 21 years of presence but nobody knew about first is like the first robotics competition what's the second robotics competition all about i I was one of
1: those people yep
3: so nobody knew um so about four years ago uh there was just a really big push uh from within the unf school of engineering some college kids got involved we worked with a couple teams at jack's beach elementary Mm -hmm. and what was seen in that instance was the coming together, kind of the marriage of ideals from parents who were very interested in what the future opportunities look like for their students, a mentorship piece that was critical to the development of uh, some young engineers as they were about to graduate, and these really excellent lessons that these fourth and fifth graders were learning that were so impactful. I mean, when they won their awards, I mean, all the college kids started crying. It was just uh, really amazing. And uh, there was like a a switch that flipped in all our minds that said, what happens if all these kids in Jacksonville had this opportunity? And then further, what happens if uh, they all grow up to be significantly more skillful and thoughtful than our current crop of engineers? What happens to the schools in our region? And then what happens to the industries that uh, that are going to flock here to take advantage of the talent? What happens when, you know, if we could turn first locally into a regional wealth development initiative? I'm interested to see the intersection of that. So we had this realization. We started building teams. And we got to a point where, you know, we really needed to kind of unlock some resources in order to have a, a much bigger push. Um, and then we met Gary one day. All right. <laughs> Hold All on right. tight. Hold, <laughs> strap in. So <laughs> Gary told me that I was unreasonable, and I think that no one will That's ever be as that is, unreasonable yeah. as he is. He keeps asking me, Mark, what what is it going to take to get to 500 teams, 600 teams? And I was like... Would you slow down? I'm going fast (laughs) enough, please. Um, But we've been growing teams like crazy. Um, It's taken long nights interacting with people, keeping my phone on me, people answering emails, finding people who are too scared to host a tournament and telling them it's going to be easy, we'll help you, uh, and growing year by year by year. And in the last uh, three and a half years, and I just can't even believe that this is the actual timeline that has happened. Uh, we've gone from, like, 14 teams to this year, like, 210 robot teams in 20 counties. Amazing, amazing. With an extreme focus on Duval County. And the knowledge of FIRST Robotics and what its capabilities are has grown to levels where I believe, and I'm not going to lie, I don't have data to support this, but from the sheer demand for the, each of the teachers in the public schools is saying that there is for the program, the likelihood is that we have at least double the amount of kids who want to be in the program than currently exist mm-hmm. and we have close to 2000 students in the program
1: wow <laughs> well i'll remarkable. tell you what and you know from an economic development perspective that really says something about the future of our pipeline so that really is a is an asset i think when we talk about marketing the region externally um Gary, you've got a lot of employers in on this. I mean, you've got a group of advisors who are leaning in and participating in trying to grow the exposure to to STEM occupations and to try to increase the workforce here. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that collaboration looks like?
2: Yeah, the idea of establishing a STEM hub here so we could do the things Mark just talked about and expand that that access Um, we thought, should be driven by the business community because each one of the businesses have needs here. You know, we can't find enough programmers. We can't find enough computer scientists. We can't find enough people with the skills in this community. And therefore, there are corporations here in Jacksonville, uh, some some of them on this board, that actually outsource a lot of this work to China and India. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so... Uh, and it's not so much all an economic play, right? There is a, an economic issue there as well, but it's a, it's a talent issue. And if you talk to any anybody in the technology field, um, they'll tell you there is there is a challenge. And it's not just in Jacksonville. Right. I think every city right. has it. But well, I think one of the things that we're doing is saying let's get ahead of this curve and let's make sure we have more students coming out of our public school system that are ready to take on these 21st century jobs. So the corporations have said, yeah, this just makes a lot of sense, and they want to give back, and this is a great way to give back because it's educating the future workforce.
1: Well, a lot of them want to reshore these positions back in the States. They do. They just just need the talent to be here.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I was reading an article this morning, interesting, that uh, we're doing this today. Um, There are 322,000 manufacturing jobs open in the United States, And we just went through this presidential election talking about manufacturing jobs Mm -hmm. being lost. Well, the fact of the matter is there's still a lot of manufacturing jobs here, but the skill level Mm -hmm. is very different. If you go into a manufacturing plant today, there's not as many people. There's a lot more machines and robots. And so your skill level needs to come up to be able to know how to work these machines, fix these machines, and run Mm -hmm. these robots that are – you know, mass-producing uh, products. So it's a skill-level issue that we have, um, I think, in America, and uh, we're trying to do our, our small part to make sure our region uh, supplies the workforce that's needed.
0: And That's a great point, because um, a lot of our work in economic development really centers around talent and talent workforce and a pipeline for talent for certainly the the, uh, industries that we focus on. So think of IT, think of advanced manufacturing, think of medical and healthcare and life sciences. Um, All those are touched by technology in some capacity. So we have to understand what the pipeline looks like. We have to understand um, what are the gaps that companies are finding out in the marketplace and what can we do in an effort to to try to build that pipeline. So we really appreciate the work that you two are doing. Um, There is a gap, and you've talked about it before, in terms of diversity in the STEM fields. you know, a program like this can reach really anyone in the community. You know, so, so what are we doing to try to help engage students and young adults from all backgrounds? And what does that mean for us going forward as a place of choice for individuals uh, and companies? Yeah.
2: Uh, let me take a, a stab at the front end, sure. and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Mark. And I think he, he's probably got a uh, in a better position to answer in terms of exposure. But I think the first way that uh, we begin to solve problems is uh, through awareness, right? Um. The second is accepting uh, that there's a problem, and third is the action piece, right? So um, one of the things that uh, we're doing at the STEM Hub and most recently actually gave a TED Talk on it was to drive awareness. So right now in computer science, uh, 2% of the workforce nationally are female, and Mm -hmm. 2% are people of color. So you've got two very large demographic groups that are new that are not participating, disconnected altogether, yeah. disconnected yeah. completely from this new world. Uh, and my my um, contention, at least at the TED talk, is that I believe computer science has become a new form of currency. Right. Okay. So you learn computer science skills. You can trade those in for a very good paying job. There's 22,000 computer <laughs> yeah. science. That's jobs a great point. <laughs> uh, Open right now. So Your
1: personal Bitcoin.
2: Right? Yeah, <laughs> personal Bitcoin. So we need to make sure that we broaden these opportunities for females and for people of color. And if you can get that training and you learn how to code, you learn how to program, you learn how to do web design, what have you. There's a good job waiting for you. It's not
3: the demands there.
0: Great point. Great
3: point. All right. So locally, we've had an initiative that's been going on for two years now. It's called the Coalition. It's called the STEM Coalition that included leaders, uh, primarily from underserved after-school program providers, in an effort to make sure that the resources are properly put around teams that fit Title One schools, so we can make sure that the opportunities are afforded with equity across the board in Jacksonville, and. Um, it is the truth that one of the biggest problems and challenges that we face is with adult participation, again, at the schools where these programs are going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that is something that it's going to take a lot more than just the people at that table to solve. It's resources. It's uh, community. It's parents. It's grandparents. It's finding companies that want to send volunteers into the school to That'd assist on the day. it's a
1: great company volunteer opportunity for
3: sure. Massive. And, uh, t- Tina, to follow up with what you just said, um, We've found that a lot of companies like to do these big one-day volunteer blowout events. Let's get all of our hours done. Let's go build a house. That's great. <laughs> it's great to build more houses. First doesn't work on a day. First okay. works on a year-round cycle, or at it's least a has a season.
0: Yeah.
3: It's like after-school sports. Mm-hmm. So you got how many sports coaches, how many soccer coaches, how many basketball, football, baseball coaches run around. You know what a difference it would make if 20 people said, I'm going to spend four hours a week with these robot teams. For a season. It would change hundreds of lives.
1: Hmm. We should make that a goal. 20 people. It's Hi, wait, action, wait, wait. Right? A <laughs> hundred people. Yeah. That's a great call to action right
3: there, Mark. No, it, it's so serious. No, yeah. It's so serious. And it really could be as easy as four hours a week. Sure, there's transit time involved, but that's what we say. First I league, grade four through eight robotics, two hours a day, two days a week after school, work eight to 12 weeks, take kids to tournament. Blows their mind. They're hooked for life. That's what we need. That's a great point. You come to me, I'll train you for free.
1: Good stuff. You heard it here first.
2: (laughs) You know, it's interesting. When I was talking to Mark early, right after I met him, I asked him, what were the barriers or the impediments to moving this thing faster? Um, (laughs) And one of the things he was telling me was that, you know, uh, the districts aren't paying professional development fees for the teachers to come down to learn how to be a coach. And actually, they're not paying a stipend to coach. So, I just thought, well, wait a minute. We're paying middle school basketball coaches $1,200, call it. I don't know if that's accurate, to coach a basketball team, but we're not willing Mm. to pay a stipend to, to have someone coach a robotics team where that individual may catch on fire and who knows what they might invent down the road. And so one of the things that the STEM hub did was we raised the money to buy the supplies is about one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars that we raise, but we required the districts to change their policy, and they did. Okay, they changed their policy, started paying professional development and stipends. So just little things like that and changing policy uh, can make a huge
0: difference.
1: Yeah, that's quite a quite a care to offer that way.
0: Your, your your passion for the work shines through, and and that's really something that I appreciate. You know, watching these these efforts. Uh, come on board and so, you know, thank you for, for doing what you do. We we really do appreciate it and then we hope that other people get on board and, and start to participate and, and find out where they can fit in and kinda of keep this momentum going.
1: Well and that awareness piece too is really paying off because I know that the work that's happening here has drawn attention both from the state and nationally. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I know that the STEM hub work and certainly the growth of the first robotics programs has been information that I have been following in my local and national news feeds with regards to excitement for the area. So it's good stuff happening.
3: For all those companies out there who are looking for where the hot talent is, uh, the president of First Robotics flew down. He was compelled last year uh, to come to our Lego League Championship because our region grew by 62.5% which was one of the highest growth percentages globally. Wow. So right? we're, we're going for
0: we're it, and we're on not looking back. <laughs> we are I on like it. stuff. That's good stuff.
2: Good stuff. <clears throat> and, you know, i just uh, add one thing. I get excited about all this stuff, thinking about. So, and it, so that's for all the companies out there. I'd like to also say for all the environmentalists that are out there, and when there's a lot of talk about um, the environment and our future planet. And, um, look, these problems that we have are going to be solved by scientists. We're, we're yeah, not going to solve these problems without having science involved, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, you can just fast forward 50 years. What are going to be the biggest issues? Fresh water. You know, how are we going to desalinate water from the ocean in a more effective way, efficient way? These things will be done through science. And uh, so that's another good reason uh, uh, to get involved as well.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, we, we like to end each episode with... Uh, sort of a, a nice get-to-know-you kind of way. and So Tina's got a series of rapid-fire questions that we're going to throw out for you guys, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. Tina, take it away.
1: All right, Gary, let's start with you. If you had a warning label, what would yours say?
2: Uh, I think <laughs> it would probably say um, can be very unreasonable at times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I've heard that. There's actually. power directly. there, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark, who would, who, who would you want to play you in a, in a movie of your life?
3: Oh man. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger.
1: All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Heath Ledger. He's serious. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but he's funny. He's hilarious.
1: <laughs> so I told you I wasn't gonna ask what your go to song is on karaoke night, but I'm gonna do that because I'm gonna ask Gary to do a little something even bolder than that. What's your favorite song to sing on karaoke?
3: Uh my my favorite song, <laughs> I think uh it'd have to be rock and roll by Led Zeppelin.
1: All right, I like yeah, it. It's a good choice. All right, Gary, here goes. I hear you do a wicked Louis Armstrong impression. Let's hear it. No you pressure. Really me to do that? Let, let it roll. Let it roll. No pressure.
2: Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. It's so
0: nice to have you back where you belong. <laughs> right. For the win. <laughs> for the win. Oh,
1: well, I tell you what. Mark and Gary, thanks so much for joining us. We just loved having you. This is another great Absolutely. conversation. And uh, we look forward to coming back with you next time for other exciting topics on The Jack's Current.